we want to redeem the time. There's so much for us to cover tonight, and it's stuff that we're going to be able to use in a very practical way, I hope. And um, by God's grace, His Spirit will teach us tonight. So we're going to look at uh, session two is all around the uh, hierarchy of values, a biblical view. Even as we start with that, it sounds a little bit odd that we would think that there's uh, some kind of order or hierarchy to God's commands. So uh, we want to dig into that and, and just touch upon it, give you some, some uh, meat to chew on tonight and some principles that you can apply in your decision-making process or how you sort things out in this incredibly changing cultural value-based society, or we should probably say lack of value-based society as Dennis articulated so well. Uh, not all values are created equal and we need to understand that. Let's put it this way, they're not of equal weight. God's laws are not all of equal weight. You're gonna see that in a minute and not all values are equal. For instance, when you're, you have an outline and you can just look at that and we'll refer to that a little bit tonight, but first of all, some values uh, are based on God's immutable laws. These are, in fact, I'd take out the word some and say true values. The values that really don't change are values that are based on God's immutable laws, on God's immutable character. And uh, we need to understand that. For instance, thou shalt not kill is understood to be an immutable law. It's never okay to murder someone. And we're told also, uh, um, maybe a little uh, less directly, but uh, pretty clearly, God's immutable law reflect on, reflecting his character, that we're to be kind and tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ has forgiven you. Those are based on God's immutable character, and we're to be as Christ. But there are other values that uh, we live by that are more, uh, that are societal, they're cultural norms. Um, and sometimes are even our own preferences. So other values may be based on our cultural norms. Now, it used to be, as Dennis uh, pointed out so well, that most of our, at least many of our cultural norms were pretty well aligned with biblical values. At least there was a nod in that direction. Um, today, uh, not so much. Um, the sanctity of marriage comes to mind. As, as Dennis mentioned, the difference between a man and a woman uh, those were givens, they were aligned with God's character. Today, not so much. As Matthew said, this is Matthew, my son, not, not the gospel of Matthew. Uh, uh, but he said that the highest value now is that we are gods. Uh, we, we make up our own rules and we make up our own values. And society is trying to tell us that. I'm the sole determinant of what's right and wrong. And it goes so far today, we understand that. And what's really scary is that our children are being taught this that if you suggest there might be an absolute truth, a value that's based on a command that's based on God's immutable law, his unchangeable character, then you are intolerant and you're a bigot and uh, you are some sort of phobe. Just put your adjective or noun in front of that and that's what you are now. And uh, uh, actually, the Albert Hubbard uh, Dennis was pretty close to it. If you lose the argument, don't, you, know, you don't even have to have an argument. If someone disagrees with you, all you have to do is call them vile names. And I think we're seeing that more and more. And Jesus made it very clear. The world will hate us, and, it's, and they're showing it more and more. But why a hierarchy? Well, I want to be clear. God's commands flow from his immutable attributes. He alone is love, and he is unchanging. He's infinite. He is holy. But some clearly have more weight as we make decisions in the real world environment. I'll help you understand that in just a moment. Uh, 
For instance, I'll do it right now. God tells us to be in subjection to those in authority over us. And yet sometimes our boss or our government tells us to do that which is exactly contrary to God's explicit commands. Uh, I, just this last week, I was told by a very godly man that his boss told him, instructed him, to falsify a report. Now that would have very real consequences and his response was, absolutely not, I won't do that. Now it sounds like easy to say, right? The problem was in his environment that uh, that would have real career implications for him. He's not a team player. He doesn't obey his boss. The chances of getting a promotion in his environment were reduced greatly when he said, no, I will not falsify that report. Real consequences. And in Acts chapter five, we know the high priest commanded Peter and the apostles not to teach in the name of Christ. It was a direct command from those, from those in authority over him. And what was Peter's response? We shall obey whom? God rather than man. We understand that sometimes God's direct commands to us, being in subjection to those in authority over us, must be overwritten by a higher principle that God has already instructed us. And we must use wisdom and discernment in determining how that works. We find a more uh, interesting example in 1 Samuel chapter 24. David and his men find themselves hiding out in a cave. And who comes in there? None other than his nemesis, his, his uh, enemy, at least from Saul's point of view, Saul himself, King Saul. David has a chance to kill King Saul, but he chooses to spare Saul's life. Why? He said, I will not put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Now, there's no direct command in God's word that says you shall not kill the Lord's anointed. David understood God's character. He understood God's uh, precepts, and he understood that that was not his place to execute judgment, literally, in God's place. And so he withheld his sword, literally. He did not take God's justice into his own hands. So how do we discern? How do we discern and how do we judge when we apply God's principles that may at times seem to be in conflict? His commands, his principles, his precepts. Let me give you some tools to think about this. Some of God's commands are temporal in nature. They're God's explicit commands, but they are, this is in your outline now, they're temporal. What that means is they were ceremonial. I think most of us understand that. God's means, they were God's means of teaching and illustrating a higher truth. When the priest made the sacrifice of the sheep and the goats and the lambs and the bulls on the offer, offering, uh, on the altar, he was, these offerings were, a, were looking forward to the only sacrifice that would ever last for eternity. They understood that these were temporary, but they looked forward to that which would be eternal, the coming of the Messiah and his sacrifice on the cross for us. So the, uh, Romans chapter 2 tells us that the law was given as an instructor, a, a schoolmaster. In Romans 3 and verse 20 it says, For by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. The law was there for a purpose, to teach us that we can never keep it. In Hebrews chapter 9, uh, the whole chapter, I wish we had time to look at that, but basically it says uh, the sprinkling of blood of sheep and goats will never cover sins permanently, only the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand that. The ceremonial law was there for a purpose that we might learn. Hebrews 9, 23 and 24 says, uh, uh, thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves were better sacrifices than these. 
For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So it goes on to tell us that Christ doesn't have to keep offering himself annually or repeatedly for us to be saved. He died once for all. We understand these precepts. We understand these principles or this command. These are God's explicit commands to the priests, to the nation of Israel, but they were temporary to teach us. But then we have God's commands that are eternal, and they're based, they're moral commands based on God's unchanging character. You remember um, the scribe that came to Jesus? This is in Mark. If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there. In Mark chapter 12, the scribe comes to Jesus. He comes into the temple. He hears Jesus uh, teaching uh, and, 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 and uh, dialoguing uh, with the priests, and he perceives that Jesus was rightly answering them. And he asked, uh, he asked Jesus directly, oh, so which commandment, this is Mark uh, chapter 12, I'm in verse 29 or thereabouts, it says, which of the uh, commandment is the most important of all? So first of all, the scribe understood that some commands might be more important than others, might be applied in higher value than others. That doesn't really strike us uh, at the, uh, immediately, but notice Jesus' response. He didn't say, no, 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 all God's commands are exactly of equal weight. So which are the most important? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. Jesus is making it absolutely clear that there's a fundamental basic command that if not met, renders all the other commands less valuable to us, or moot in a real sense. He understood that, there's no greater command. We must start first by loving the Lord our God with everything that we have, and then our obedience to the other commands has context, makes sense. So we have these commands that are explicit, the ceremonial, and we have the commands that are eternal and they're un unchanging. Secondly, you have principles uh, in God's word that are taught to us. Uh, they're often a company, there are commands, but they're commands that have stated consequences. Stated consequences. They're rules of life. If you're filling in your blanks there, if you haven't already written in something else I said, the principles are rules of life with stated consequences. Uh, for instance, Jesus made it very clear. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Wow. What that means is that if we're consistent in applying the love of Jesus in forgiving others, that we're in a position to receive God's forgiveness. Now, he goes on to say in verse 15 of Matthew chapter 6, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you yours. Pretty clear consequence, isn't it? Now, we understand that the only true forgiveness that we can give other people is through the power of the Lord Jesus working in us. That the working of the Holy Spirit in us. And only we can only forgive as we have been forgiven. But we understand that this is a command and there are consequences. And if we fail to forgive one another, neither will our Father forgive us. We suffer the consequences of that. We also find in 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, do not love the world or the things in the world. It's a command. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Let's understand the consequence. If we, if we love the world, 
There's no way, there's no room for the Lord to love us. The love of the Father is not in us. We cannot, we cannot love the world and love God at the same time. John makes that very clear. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes, this is John chapter 2 and verse 16, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Principles, the rules of life with state of consequence, both good and bad. Then you find precepts in God's word. Now these are also rules of life that are generally and usually true. Unlike these principles that we were looking at, no, those are true. You love God, you love the world, you can't love God. This is a precept, is a rule of life in your outline, a rule of life that are generally and usually true. Uh, I uh, tend to go to this uh, Proverbs 6 a lot, probably because it was pounded into my brain as a kid. You know, that uh, laziness leads to poverty. Okay? I got that. Um, and, it, and it says, you know, how long will you lie there, old sluggard? Uh, when will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, and a little folding of the hands to rest. This is not your Sunday afternoon nap. This is just being lazy. And poverty, this is Proverbs 6, verse 11, and poverty will come, along, uh, come upon you like a robber and like an armed man. Uh, the King James, I like it better because it says it'll come upon you like a vagabond, you know, like a homeless person. You know, don't be lazy. So, uh, but the problem here is um, if we take this absolutely literally, uh, we're going to be disappointed because we all know people that um, actually were, um, are lazy. And um, we know that this is a rule of life that is generally and usually true, but the exceptions prove the rule in this case. So we know people that um, uh, have... Um, maybe one big idea and they make a lot of money, but they're really lazy. Or they win the lottery. Uh, there's not many people do that. That's all a big lie, by the way, if they tell you you're gonna win the lottery. But occasionally somebody does, I one out of several million. And all of a sudden, they are rich, at least for a season. But it doesn't change if they're lazy, they're still lazy, right? Um, or they inherit a fortune. And um, I've met a few people like that. So the exception, though, proves the rule. Um, you also have um, an interesting, I found this fascinating. Um, I was, uh, last uh, week in the sermon, I was uh, mentioned the fifth commandment, thou shalt love, I mean, thou shalt honor your father and your mother. And you remember the promise that goes with that? That your days may be long upon the earth. Remember that? Well, uh, if we honor our father and mother, that's not an absolute, that, that is an absolute command based on God's absolute character, unchanging. We should always, without exception, always love and, and honor our father and our mother, as long as they're on this earth. But then it says that your days may be long, long upon the earth. Well, we know people that have um, honored their father and mother and they died young. That's a precept. When people who generally honor their father and mother have their act together in a lot of other ways and generally obey other commands, and uh, as a result, they live longer lives. God blesses them. There's a direct correlation. So what you have here is an absolute command based on God's unchanging truth combined with a precept here that uh, generally you're going to live longer. I'd suggest that you uh, obey both. 
you know? I mean, you obey the, your father and your mother, or you honor your father and your mother, and uh, that you live long both, so that you can honor them longer. So those are important uh, distinctions that we must be careful to follow. But what about when Christians differ? Uh, when, how to apply these, these precepts? How do, we, how do we apply these uh, God's commands? Jesus didn't give us a list of all the rest of the commands after he said, um, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart and strength and mind, soul and mind and strength uh, and your neighbor as yourself. Those were the order that he gave to us, love God, love your neighbor. Then he didn't list the rest of the commands and tell us what order they go in. It would have been helpful. We could just check the box and see which one we apply in a given situation. We have to use discernment in figuring this out, especially in this day that we live in. We must discern between God's unchanging moral commands and our application of how we apply those commands. So, for instance, uh, we know God's word tells us very clearly in many, many places. I didn't even begin to try to give you all the verses, but I encourage you to look up uh, poor, um, sojourner, foreigner, and alien in your Bibles. So uh, the poor, sojourner, foreigner, and alien in your Bibles, and you will find dozens and dozens of commands that tell us how we are to treat foreign people, uh, the poor in our our country. Very explicit. So um, how exactly do we serve the poor and care for the poor? Um, uh, What is our responsibility? Is that our job as a church only, or do we expect the government to do some and then we do some? and we kind of all join together, maybe our neighborhood, maybe the local Elks Club, they'll help out, and we'll all sort of make that happen. Well, the answer is not absolutely explicit. Some of you may say, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna obey those commands by helping immigrants and um, uh, people that are coming across the border. I'm gonna come alongside them and I'm gonna help them. And I don't really care if they're legal or illegal, they need to be fed. Some of you are there, you get that? Because that's the command of God's scripture, and I'll let the government worry about legal and illegal. I'm just going to make sure that they have food uh, on their table and clothes on their back, because I care for the poor. Others of you may say, no, no, uh, actually, I'll help the poor down at the, uh, by Angel Stadium in those tent city. I'm going to go there on a Saturday, and I'm going to help out there. Um, so we need to be careful that we understand that we apply God's rules, God's precepts, God's commands differently at times. And it doesn't make us one person uh, righter than another person, or more right than another person uh, in many situations. Uh, and there may be, it may, uh, might even be similar to that in uh, how we honor our parents. Some may choose to honor their parents in one way, and another person may choose in another way. I don't have time to get into that, but you might want to think about that. Or here's one, how we even honor the Sabbath. Uh, God gave us the Sabbath as a day of rest. We might say, hmm, okay, God wants me to be utterly quiet and meditative all day long on Sundays. That's our Christian Sabbath in the sense that our day of rest. And others may say, no, that includes relaxing and doing something different and I don't have to, you know, I can go out and play sports or I might go to a ball game or I might ride my bicycle and that's rest for me. Now, are we going to say, no, 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 you, you need to o- obey the Sabbath exactly the way I do? We need to be discerning. There's matters of Christian liberty. We need to be careful also that uh, we, might, we should be willing to forgo what we understand as a liberty in Christ 
For instance, in Romans 14, it tells us the case of eating meat offered to idols. But for the sake of those who feel eating meat is a great sin, it, and may be tempted to eat it because of my example or your example, they violate their own conscience. And, and the Word of God tells us, forego our liberty, forego that which we feel we can do for the sake of someone who may see us believe it's wrong and do it anyway because of our example, and therefore they violate their conscience and they sin against their conscience. We need to be careful about how we exercise our liberty. Um, don't let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil, it tells us in Romans 14, verse 16. So let me just leave you with this, a few thoughts. Um, I think they gave Dennis like 26 minutes and they gave me 21, and I'm kind of bitter about that. I'm, work, look, I'm working on that. But let me give you this. Uh, we need to be careful as we apply God's absolute unchanging commands and his uh, princi principles and his precepts. We need to be careful that we not judge the motives and intents of our fellow believers when they apply God's unchanging commands differently than I do. For instance, um, Going back, uh, how do you care for the poor or honor your parents? Um, or uh, well, you might choose that, um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend my energy in my life uh, serving the Lord in fighting the scourge of abortion in this country. And uh, we, I think that is an absolutely noble thing for us to be, to be doing as believers. But let's be careful because I choose to do that high calling that the Spirit prompts in my heart that we not look down on the person that says, no, I'm going to serve the immigrants and the poor. Just give you the same examples. God does not call all of us to expend our Christian service in exactly the same way the Holy Spirit prompts us. So let's be careful about how we judge and, and uh, the uh, good things that believers do based on God's word. Um, let's be careful not to pit God against God. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, we need to be careful that we don't make God's commands uh, conflict with one another. They don't. Uh, not at all. They never do. Uh, God tells us his commands. His commands are absolute. But God gives us freedom to apply his commands with wisdom. And there are clearly some commands that take greater priority over other, others that we have to make those really, really difficult choices. And uh, that was very clear uh, as the Lord Jesus was telling us. Um, it, doesn't make them, it doesn't make them higher commands in the sense that uh, uh, somehow God changes his mind. God gave us those commands for a reason. God tells me to love my neighbor as myself and God tells me to love my wife more than myself. I need to do both and find a way to make that happen in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. And if I have to make a choice in a given situation, guess what I'm going to choose, my neighbor or my wife? Well, how about you guys? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, right answer. I saw someone say, wife, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I want to leave you with this. We need to be careful not to fail to discern how we apply God's commands. And by that, what I mean is that uh, the principles and precepts that we load with our own personal biases, um, for instance, uh, my personal m mission that I mentioned earlier, um, I see some things as more important, but someone else may see something uh, equally as important but way different. Um, we also need to be careful that we don't read into God's commands our own personal preferences or self-preservation. You remember the guy I told you about that uh, told his boss, no, 
I'm not going to falsify that report. Well, if it's based on God's immutable law, that's a good decision. But what if he said, you know, I think I'm going to choose to obey those in authority over me, over uh, falsifying that report. I'm choosing that one because, well, I will get that promotion, you know, and I, my career won't be damaged. And besides that, I'm obeying God's law. I'm, I'm in, in a subjection, right? And a lie will work that out. I'm choosing this one over that for my own personal needs. You with me? These aren't easy decisions at times, but let's be careful that we don't make decisions based on what's best for me. Who's, who do we make decisions for in applying God's word? Best for the kingdom, right? To honor God, to glorify him. At times they're not easy. We need to be careful about that. So there's more, but our time is up, and uh, we'll, you can ask more about that as we move into Q&A time.